It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. All right, so what's going on? Welcome to the show. It is Monday, August 24th. Thank you very much for listening. I do appreciate it. The show is made possible by patrons such as Jim and Robbie, Jan, Daryl, Daniel, Jocelyn, Gary, Trent, Marlin, Nick, Lori. Thanks so much for your support. We couldn't do it without you. And you can become a patron to support the program as well just by going to thepetecallendershow.com. And the link is there. And then you get exclusive content. You get the really cool bumper sticker. I'm a giver. I mean, that's what the bumper sticker is. There is another one, too, that says I'm all about solutions. So, uh, yeah, take your pick. And, of course, the exclusive content. We do the live streams once a week, and it's a lot of fun. So join in the party, if you will. I have said for years, elections are about what media make them. Elections are about what media make them. They focus on certain stories. They ignore other stories for various reasons at various times in various places. But that's the overall axiom, the guiding principle here. And I'm going to give you a really good example of it locally. By the way, we're also going to get into the RNC, which kicks off uh, today in Charlotte, North Carolina. The president is actually coming to uh, the state earlier than the convention. Well, the lineup is tonight at like, uh, what, 9 p.m. I think the speeches get underway. And uh, the president's coming to Charlotte, and he's going to chop her off to uh, Western North Carolina. The Citizen Times has a, uh, a write-up on that uh, about his visit. I will get to that as well. <clears throat> but first, uh, Madison Cawthorn has a problem, but will it matter? That's the headline from the column written by John Boyle at the Asheville Citizen Times. Madison Cawthorn is the 11th Congressional District Republican candidate who has uh, been the target, the focus, the subject of a great many allegations over the last two weeks. Some ridiculous, some concerning, uh, but they all came at the same time. And again, I point this out that they all came after the primary runoff so as to ensure the most amount of damage against the Republican candidate that could help the Democratic candidate. Right. You you hurt the Republican, help the Democrat, because had the allegations come to light during the primary, Republican voters might not have voted for Madison Cawthorn. But when you time the allegations to release after the primary and then after that primary runoff, now the only person who could possibly benefit would be the Democratic candidate. And by the way, the allegations that are leveled are all made by Democrats. Not a single conservative or Republican have made any of these allegations. Now, you could say that's because they, they're keeping it all hush-hush. They don't want Madison Cawthorn to get damaged by, their, uh, by allegations from a conservative or a Republican. So they're not, going, they're, they're not going to level the accusations. That's possible. Now, another possibility is that uh, the people who are making the allegations are doing so for political reasons. So that's a possibility as well, which is one of the, the, the main accusers is a, uh, a woman who says that she uh, went on a date with Madison Cawthorn. This is like six years ago. She was 17. He was 19. This was after his car accident that left him paralyzed, uh, that they went to uh, 
a secluded campsite. He lit a fire and they were talking and he asked her inappropriate questions about uh, whether or not, you know, she was sexually active at all or anything like that. And then he had he asked her to sit on his lap. She did so. He then tried to kiss her. She pulled away. Then uh, he tried. They talked a little bit longer. Then he tried to kiss her again. And uh, she then like tried to jump out of the chair. Her hair got caught in uh, the wheelchair's mechanism and or some of the, the yeah, I guess the, the side of it, the brake, handbrake or the wheel or something and uh, pulled some of her hair out. And uh, she says this was sexual assault. And she she noted that she's coming forward now in order to affect politics, because at, uh, in the original article at World Magazine, she said that uh, she thinks people need to know this information when they go and cast their ballots. Now She lives in Durham now, and she's a Black Lives Matter supporter and activist and all this. And the people who confirm her account also Black Lives Matter folks. You look at their social media profiles and they're all of the left. Is that important? I think it might be relevant. Um, also. Uh, she says uh, that she called around in another article. Uh, she tells some uh, somebody else that she had called around to some of her old high school friends to ask them about their recollections about what happened or about him or about what she may have said at that time. And that, to me, is very reminiscent of the Debbie Ramirez story. Debbie Ramirez was the one, uh, the second, sorry, the second accuser after Dr. Christine Blasey Ford accused Kavanaugh, Debbie Ramirez came out and made the accusations that, you know, she was at this party and she drank so much. And then uh, Brett Kavanaugh, her classmate, exposed himself to her or something. And uh, she, when telling this story, she said very much the same thing, that she made a whole bunch of calls to other people and asked them what they remember. And those people then later came out and said, yeah, we told her we don't remember any of that that we were there and that didn't happen, but she didn't care because she talked to someone else, a therapist who helped her remember certain details, or maybe it was a lawyer who helped her remember certain details. So all of this creates some suspicion, rightfully so. Okay. So there's your backstory on all of this. Now, um, he also had, remember where it all started, which was uh, this story that Madison Cawthorn had posted a picture of himself from, again, five, six years ago, when he went to Germany. He was going to see some auto race or something, and they found out, him and his brother, <clears throat> they were on this trip, and they found out that uh, the eagle's nest was nearby. And so here's John Boyle's column at the Citizen Times where he recaps this. He says, let's review. Madison Cawthorn had an unfortunate and since-deleted post on Instagram about visiting Adolf Hitler's mountainous World War II retreat, the Eagle's Nest, in Berchtesgaden. Cawthorn referred to Hitler as the Fuhrer and the visit as being on his bucket list. It sounded a little fawning, he says. It sounded a little fawning, which I guess it could if you give zero benefit of the doubt or any modicum of charity to a human being, I guess, yes, it could be considered to be a little fawning. Or maybe you're projecting your own ideas onto how you think his tone is, how you think he sounds when he says this. As you're reading it in your mind, you're applying a certain speech pattern and tonal quality. And so what you're thinking, he sounds like, well, that's that's you. And this is where your priors, any reader, right, their priors become part of the interpretation of the statement. 
By the way, one of the reasons why I do love the spoken word format of radio is because my tone can be uh, much more easily conveyed in speech than simply in writing. It's a different skill set to a large degree. One you're writing for the eye, one you're writing for the ear, and I might, I don't know, wager, just throwing this out there, just spitballing here, that, you know, being a young person raised in the internet age, probably not as well-versed in communicating via the written word (laughs) as maybe some of the older folks might be. And I put myself in that category now. I'm a Gen Xer at the ripe old age of 45, uh, 46. Sorry. You do stop counting after a while, guys. It's true. This is also true. If you are looking to ensure a sanitized, disinfected workspace for your employees, your coworkers, uh, your customers, or maybe your property owner, maybe you're a real estate agent and you want to do, uh, uh, you want to spray down the area for you know COVID nineteen protection, uh, then I've got the system for you. It's called the Karcher Misting System. It's from General Equipment Rental. That's where you get it here in Weaverville, uh, at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Uh, General Equipment Rental is family-owned and operated for three generations. Now, they have all sorts of other uh, equipment that you can rent. So basically, anything that you need, like construction, earth-moving, lawn and garden equipment, whatever the project, General Equipment Rental has the tool that you need. Now, if you're trying to keep your place disinfected and clean, the Karcher Misting System will do that because it's got vital oxide disinfectant. It is safe for kids and pets food contact surfaces. It's an all-in-one hospital-grade EPA-approved germicidal disinfectant sanitizer and deodorizer. It does everything. It kills 99.9% of infection-causing bacteria and viruses, including coronavirus, but also norovirus, H1N1, influenza B, E. coli, MRSA. It also will kill mold, mildew, and fungus. All right. So if you got that problem going on from like moisture related issues, this is the tool that you need. You don't need to rinse it afterwards. It's non-toxic, hypoallergenic. It's odorless, colorless, 100% biodegradable, super easy to maneuver with four independent wheels. So you just roll it around. It's like the size of a shop vac. It's cordless. And then you just spray everything down and this will keep the treated areas sanitized up to 10 days. And all you got to do is spot clean the high traffic areas. The Karcher Misting System with Vital Oxide Disinfectant at General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. Go to generalrents.com slash Pete and get a coupon for two free cloth face coverings. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville, generalrents.com. Think outside your toolbox. All right, so John Boyle's column starts off with this visit by Madison Cawthorn to the Eagle's Nest. And John uh, Boyle believes that the post was a little too, or sorry, a little fawning. To be fair, he says, he did call Hitler a supreme evil, which I hope was not a compliment. Why would you think calling somebody a supreme evil would be a compliment? Why would you need to hope that was not a compliment? Why would there be any doubt that that's not a compliment when you call somebody supreme evil? Oh, I see if Madison Cawthorn is evil too, right? That would be the only reason that you would think calling somebody supremely evil would be a compliment as if you're evil as well. Again, zero benefit of the doubt, zero um, modicum of, of charity being afforded to, uh, to Madison Cawthorn here. When I went to Germany, so here's John Boyle again. When I went to Germany in the 1980s as a tourist and history buff, and about the same age as Cawthorn is now, I also visited the Eagle's Nest 
We had no social media back then, but I'm pretty sure I would not have used the honorific Führer, leader in German, for Hitler, who orchestrated the murder of six million Jews during the war and basically tried to take over the world. Clearly, Cawthorn showed some pretty poor judgment here, not to mention immaturity. <clears throat> okay, it was six years ago, right? It was six years ago, he was a teenager, and they had not planned to go to this site. They just found out that it was nearby. Oh, and also, the reason it was on his bucket list was because they were fans of the show Band of Brothers. And I've never seen the show. I've gone over this before. I'm not a, a World War II history buff. I'm too young to be a history buff, as I understand that that genetic code for men kicks in at age 50 or so. Hasn't happened for me yet. Um, but I, I, So I'm at a loss to know what uh, the significance of the site is, uh, particularly when viewed through the the prism of a fan of Band of Brothers. So maybe, again, just spitballing here, but maybe the, the word Fuhrer is used a lot in that show. If you're watching a lot of this stuff, you're watching a lot of the program, I don't know, you're, watch, you're watching a lot of stuff on World War II, do you become more accustomed, more acquainted with that term? And I, I don't know. Clearly, he says, Cawthorn showed pretty poor judgment here. Well, he was a teenager, right? And I think it's, I don't know, I, I think it's a little bit of, uh, well, it's, I would say, overly charitable. It's very convenient, maybe, to say that, oh, when I went and visited this site, you know, we didn't have social media, but I think I would have behaved better. Maybe you would have. Maybe you would not have. I, it's hard to say, but it's a very convenient position to adopt that you would be better, <laughs> right? Looking back, I think I would be a better person than you when put in that same situation. That's a completely hypothetical in my case. Next, he says, as the Asheville Watchdog, AVL Watchdog uh, website reported, and the Citizen Times ran this story, Cawthorn messed and stepped in it by creating an impression that he was heading to the Naval Academy before a tragic car crash left him paralyzed from the waist down at age 18. Now, uh, I am still unclear as to what exactly happened here, because he says on his website that he was going to the Naval Academy, and then, tragically, those plans were derailed. His plans were derailed that year after he nearly died in a tragic automobile accident. Now, his plan was to go to the Naval Academy and uh, then become a Marine. That, I think that was the plan. He also um, said in, a, in an interview with, I guess it was the Daily Caller, that he said he was trying to get, uh, there was some issue with the application, which was why he was rejected, and he was talking with his congressman about that, Mark Meadows. He was talking with Mark Meadows at the time uh, to try to get that resolved, and then he had the car accident. So don't know what happened. Okay, so that's that's the other scandal, right? That's the other thing. Then there was... White supremacy questions, which was the most ludicrous of the attacks, the most ludicrous. And this was one that was promoted by his opponent, Democratic uh, candidate Mo Davis. Here is what John Boyle writes about that. A far right candidate, Cawthorn, has come under fire for using the name SPQR Holdings LLC for his real estate investment company. In another AVL watchdog story, the organization reported that the initials for SPQR derive from the Latin initials for the Senate and people of Rome, which denoted the Roman Empire at its height and today appears widely on Italian tourist trinkets. Interesting. So you're saying that SPQR is used on 
tourist trinkets, it's a pretty common thing to see. Okay, so I've never seen it, never even heard of it before this story. But in recent years, SPQR has been embraced by skinhead gangs in Italy and by some white nationalists in the United States. So it's been embraced by skinhead gangs in Italy. No idea. Maybe you maybe you should have asked Madison Cawthorn, uh, do you, I don't know, follow any skinhead gangs in Italy? Does his social media uh, show any skinhead Italian affiliation or uh, any fawning posts about Italian skinhead gangs? I'm not really sure. But uh, then some white nationalists in the U.S. Well, how many is some? Again, I'm at a loss here because I don't move in these circles of white supremacists or white nationalists, so I don't know if they've adopted this term. How many are we talking about? Right? Like, I I don't know. I know. I mean, I've heard some things about these people, the white nationalists. I know that they are about, you know, blood and soil. They've been chanting that. And they, they apparently also, I think, own a lot of stock in tiki torches. But that's about the extent of my knowledge of what they rally around on like 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 their mottos and such but spqr okay now madison cawthorn i played the audio from the daily caller interview that he did a week or so ago and he said uh no spqr he he said he adopted this because it's a reminder of what happens when government gets out of control and it usurps the power of the senate the legislative body and the people that was the point you don't want a tyrant it was it's a warning against tyranny which is sort of like that's the language of conservatives. I'm not sure a lot of liberals understand this. I mean, I know they talk a lot about, you know, Donald Trump's a tyrant and all that, but like the language of of anti-tyranny that is that's a really a big part of conservatism. Anyway, um he then goes on to say in an almost comically gun-happy campaign photo, Cawthorn is pictured with a scoped hunting rifle Elmer Fudd would envy. Do you get the idea that John Boyle's not a fan of Madison Cawthorn? Do you, maybe just a little bit. The guy is sitting there. He takes a picture with the, with the rifle over his shoulder, and he's smiling. And this is I, like this is a very triggering photo, I think, for Mister Boyle. He also has a handgun in a holster with a Roman legion mask on it. Now, this was interesting to me because John Boyle held himself up to be a bit of a history buff earlier in the passage, right? He said, oh, I I went there and I went to the Eagle's Nest as a tourist and history buff. Well, a history buff might know that that is not actually a Roman legion mask. That is a Spartan helmet. Spartans were not Romans. Romans were not Spartans. They were different different cultures, different armies, right? And so that soldier's helmet is not a Roman legion mask. He says some took that as another nod to the whole Roman Empire shtick. Actually, no, nobody did take that as a nod. Only ignorant people would take that as a nod. Um, It's the symbol, the Spartan helmet is a symbol for Second Amendment activists, it's, you know, Molon Labe, uh, you, you've probably seen this, right? It's a different culture. But it's based off of the story of you know, King Leonidas when he was said, oh, surrender your arms, and he said, come and take them. 
And that's what that phrase means. Uh, means Molon. I don't know how to pronounce it. Labe or Labe, L-A-B-E. And uh, th- that Spartan mask, that soldier's helmet, that's connected to that phrase. It's simply a Second Amendment icon. Doesn't have anything to do with the Romans. History buff. Um, he, said, he then says, every campaign is going to have some scandals or allegations of outrageous behavior. And now that Cawthorn has garnered national attention, he can expect even more of these kinds of reports. This is not actually true, though, because every campaign does not have some scandals or allegations of outrageous behavior. And I cite for you, Mo Davis's campaign. Nobody has found anything wrong with Mo Davis. Right? The Democratic candidate running against Madison Cawthorn. Nothing. So it's this is not true that every campaign is going to have some scandals or allegations of outrageous behavior. Actually, no. And I... I, I just point your attention to the other candidate that you literally quote in the next sentence by saying that his opponent, Democrat Mo Davis, made it clear he had no involvement in disseminating these stories to media outlets. Not true. Also, Mo Davis uh, actually promoted this idea that Madison Cawthorn was a neo-Nazi. He was the one who took the, the, the Instagram picture and then put these five pieces of evidence together. The, uh, the fact that Madison Cawthorn uh, went to the Eagle's Nest and he has the SPQR Holdings name and he has a picture of the uh, Spartan helmet. Right? Oh, he also was following 88 people on Twitter, which that meant he was a neo-Nazi too. So Mo Davis was actually the disseminator of that information on Twitter. And I'm not sure if the local media knows how prolific of a tweeter Mo Davis is. Now, I will tell you, I am pretty prolific on Twitter as well. I tweet a lot. I have, and I've been on Twitter now for, uh, well, since 09, and so that's 11 years. In 11 years, I have tweeted, here's the count, my latest count, 70,000 500 plus times 70,500 tweets over 11 years by comparison Colonel Morris Davis COL Morris Davis this is his account Um, Colonel Mo Davis he has tweeted 91,000 times and he's only been on the platform since 2012 so Four fewer years and 20,000 more tweets than me. Again, I'm pretty, I would say I'm a pretty prolific tweeter. Um, why is this important? Well, a couple of reasons. First, if you go and actually spend some time on Morris da- uh, Mo Davis's, or Morris Davis's uh, uh, Twitter feed, you will see a great number of things that he has said over the last nine years eight years, rather, um, that might be considered to be a little intemperate, right? So when John Boyle says in his column, every campaign is going to have some scandals or allegations of outrageous behavior, I'm wondering when do any of these show up for Morris, uh, for Mo Davis? When, when, do they, when do they find their way to his campaign? Is that possible? Is it possible that you need a mattress? And if it is, 
uh, then you need to go to Mattress Man. That's where I got my mattress. We bought our mattress. It's a king-size memory foam mattress. We got it about, oh, we're right about the same time that Mo Davis set up his Twitter account, about eight years ago. And uh, Christy and I love this mattress. It's like sleeping on a marshmallow. It's just so soft, and when you lay down on it, it's like the whole thing forms around you, you know? So it's like supporting all of the ways that uh, that we sleep. Now, uh, that may not be good for you. Maybe you prefer an inner spring mattress, sort of the traditional inner spring mattress, or maybe you want a pillow top, uh, or uh, maybe you need an adjustable base for your bed. Well, if either of those are the case, any of these are the case, then go to Mattress Man. Their sleep consultants will help you pick the right mattress for you. And they have the triple zero deal going on. Zero down, zero interest for up to two years, and zero payments for 90 days. They also have a great deal on a queen-size gel memory foam mattress for $3.99 and a free bedding bundle, including sheets, protectors, and pillows, all with the purchase of select mattresses. Also, they have the Biltmore Collection by Restonic. These are made in Fayetteville, and these are the mattresses that the Biltmore Inn and Hotel uh, that they use. So if you want to sleep on a Biltmore mattress, then you got to go to Mattress Man. Mattressmanstores.com is the website. Uh, they do ship nationwide. They have five-star local delivery service and a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. So John Boyle says every campaign is going to have some scandals or allegations. I'm waiting for any of these to find their way to the Davis campaign. Um, and because I'm a giver, I have off, I'm offering up some potential avenues that folks might want to pursue because I did spend some time looking through old tweets by the candidate. So, uh, let's see here. I, I mean, yes, he calls, uh, you know, he calls Cawthorn a bunch of names. Uh, he says he's infatuated with Congressman, uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and he's a poser, not a patriot. But I also found some of these tweets pretty interesting because of the way he describes supporters of his political adversaries, okay, particularly President Trump supporters. He describes President Trump as a, quote, 100% purebred, worthless scumbag bleephole with a racist agenda and a foreign-born nude model third wife, which, if I were to treat this tweet, as others treat Madison Cawthorn's tweet, I would suggest that a foreign-born nude model third wife is an attack on Melania Trump and all immigrants and all nude models and, I guess, third wives. So I guess you're not supposed to ever get remarried so I guess it's actually uh, this is uh, actually an anti-divorce type of uh, attack, right? Uh, Mo Davis is against divorce. He's anti-divorce, and then he's definitely anti-divorce again, anti-second divorce, no third wives, because um, he's using it as an insult. Always pay attention to the words that people use when they're trying to insult. It's one of the things I noticed years ago. The same people that were telling me to be uh, you know, more tolerant and accepting of uh, uh, people with different sexual orientation. They they would oftentimes use that that sexual orientation as a slur, right? They would they would accuse me of of liking men, uh, accusing me of being gay, 
right? In their arguments with me, they would, oh, well, why are you saying that? It must mean you're gay or something. And they would use it as an insult. And I never use this as an insult. I don't find it to be an insult. So they would say it to me and like, it's not really an insult to me, but I do note that you want me to be tolerant of the, uh, of, you know, of gay people, yet you use them as a, as an insult. And I'm curious as to how you get there. What mental gymnastics did you need to perform in order to arrive at this position where you're using them as a derogatory? Foreign born is a derogatory term he's using here. Maybe because somebody could ask him about that. Um, he says, uh, let's see here, that the KKK is the base of the Republican Party. The KKK is the base of the Republican Party, which is kind of comical, you know, coming from a Democrat, which was the party of the Klan, which is interesting also in today's day and age when we're ripping down all of the statues and uh, you know renaming streets and uh, saying that uh, we can't have certain imagery on um, you know maple syrup containers like in this great reckoning that is occurring the party that seceded from america right went to war against the union over slavery instituted jim crow laws uh created machine politics in the solid south that uh that never elected republicans and actually uh orchestrated a coup to overthrow a republican fusion party government in wilmington north carolina murdering black people and republicans um out there in order to uh, uh regain control of that city uh, the democratic party has long ties deep roots to the clan so i'm not really sure <laughs> i'm not really sure you get to make the case here that the clan is the base of a political party i've never seen by the way i have not i've never seen an official um, uh, apology coming from the democratic party on this front but i think it would be worthwhile to ask how uh he sees the base of the republican party given the fact that he's wanting to represent it right? He's asking to represent those people too. When you run for office and you become an elected official, you're going to be representing these people too. And if you believe that the Republican Party's base is the Klan, how do you actually represent those people? How do you, I mean, because this is your view of them, right? I don't believe they're the Klan, by the way, but he does. He says as much, or maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't even believe it, and he's just saying it. Um, he then says, <clears throat> screw the whole they go low, we go high BS. When NC GOP extremists go low, we stomp their scrawny, pasty necks with our heels, and once you hear the sound of a crisp snap, you grind your heel harder and twist it slowly side to side for good measure. He needs to know who whooped his buttocks. That's kind of violent, don't you think? That's a that, that's sort of violent imagery. I mean, this is that, that's more than just, you know, you know, we just go whoop them. No, I mean, he's giving quite the level of detail in his jackboot on the neck of his political opponent. I don't know. I just maybe that would be something somebody could ask him about. How about uh repeatedly throughout his what 90,000 tweets he calls Trump supporters maggots dehumanizing his political opponents yes m a g a t s get it maga 
maggots. By the way, I've, I'm never really a fan of the use of these types of, uh, I see it on the right too, by the way, like demon rats instead of Democrats. Like, really? It's not, I don't find those things to be humorous. I don't find them to be clever. Um, most of the time, they're just like eye-roll, cringeworthy, immature. And this is no different. The maggots. But this is what he's calling people that he expects to believe him when he says he's going to represent their interests. I don't know how you can say that and expect people to believe it. Maybe he's saying, I don't care about their votes. I don't want their votes. I'm not going to represent them. I think they're evil, like he calls the entire Dick Cheney family. They're all evil, every one of them. He calls an event with Reverend Franklin Graham. He called that a Klan rally. And he said, or he agreed on Twitter, that the Make America Great Again hats, the MAGA hats, are the new KKK hoods. So he definitely, uh, he definitely works in the medium of Nazis and Klansmen equals Republicans. This is one of the, by the way, like, yeah, this is, this is one of the things that for me usually identifies someone as an unhinged leftist is when they cannot they cannot discuss or refer to uh, their political opponents as anything other than KKK, neo-Nazis, Hitler lovers, anything like that. And so like they, like they are super, super triggered and hypersensitive to anything that they perceive to be connected in some way, shape, or form to the Klan or the Nazis. And by the way, uh, they work off of an assumption that all Republicans are believers in these things and supporters of those things. And so therefore everything becomes evidence of that assumption being correct. And uh, it's, it's not inductive reasoning. It's deductive reasoning. They're working backwards from the conclusion. So they say, you're a Republican, you're, you're conservative or you're a libertarian. uh, And so that equals you're a neo-Nazi. And then everything falls in line behind that to prove that you are what they want you to be, which is to be this, you know, neo-nazi black hat wearing bad guy you're the villain because again leftism requires there to be uh an opponent an enemy that without a struggle there is no such thing as socialism and marxism and leninism there's there's no such thing it requires struggle i was just actually over the weekend reading mao's little red book know your enemy you know And in the Little Red Book, it's very clear. They spell it out like this is the struggle. It never ends. The revolution never ends for the left, ever. And so what happens, and this is why, by the way, it's a self-defeating philosophy, because it requires there to be an enemy of some kind. And as you struggle against that enemy and you become successful, you vanquish the enemy. Well, what does that mean? Generally in socialism, it's, it's murdering. Like you do a lot, a lot of murdering. And so you, you, you kill off all those enemies. They're all dead. Uh, but now what do you do? Right. Once you have purged the nation of all of the anti-socialists, then what do you do? Well, now you still need an enemy, right? There has to be somebody. Do you look outwards to another nation and they become the enemy? Uh, Soviet Union was very effective at that, right? Um, Or do you start uh, weeding out your own? Soviet Union did that as well, right? You start uh, consolidating power and all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, Trotsky becomes just as bad as a capitalist and so he's got to be killed. Like Like all of these revolutions... Uh, they they eat their own at some point. And then you have the worst actors 
in the struggle, in the movement, they're the ones who become powerful because they're the ones, usually very few of, um, there are very few of them that are willing to go to those lengths to secure power, right? And the ones who are willing to do the worst things, they become empowered. That's why it's a self-defeating philosophy. Well, one of the many, uh, one of the many reasons. So, I wonder, you know, is this relevant? Is this stuff important? Asking a candidate for Congress, uh, how should people have any confidence or level of comfort in you and your ability to represent them when you believe they're Klansmen? You believe they're Nazis. You call them maggots, right? You you, you give a, a highly specific and detailed account of how you would like to break their necks. You would like to, uh, dare I say it, much like a Minneapolis white police officer, right? You would like to put your boot on the neck of your fellow citizen and squish it until it snaps and then grind the heel hard and twist it slowly side to side for good measure, right? Uh, You want to represent me. You want to be my congressman. You think I'm these things and you want to be my congressman. So I wonder, maybe somebody could ask him about that. Again, John Boyle is the one who said that every campaign is going to have some scandals or allegations of outrageous behavior, right? So maybe this might be an area there. By the way, there are more. I'm just giving you some of the, uh, <laughs> I'm just giving you some of the, uh, the more egregious ones that I came across. Um, then there's this. The article or the column that John Boyle writes, and he runs through the uh, uh, the resume of Mo Davis and uh, says that, you know, he's a retired Air Force colonel, former lead prosecutor at Guantanamo Bay, uh, retired Air Force colonel and former chief prosecutor. Um, he earned an undergraduate degree uh, and law degree. And uh, there you got a picture of him right there. And he is wearing his uniform and it says courtesy Mo Davis campaign. I take that to mean that the campaign gave the paper that headshot, his military headshot, which I thought that was not allowed. I thought you were not allowed, if you're military, you were not allowed to use pictures of yourself in uniform for politicking, for campaign material like that. I thought that was against rules, but I don't know. Maybe somebody could ask about that. It's possible. Um, I know. I'm just like, I'm. I'm just trying to help us all be more informed about the candidates that uh, we are going to get to vote for or against, is all. Uh, Now more than ever, you probably are thinking, I need some military surplus stuff. Maybe you are looking to run for office and you would like to pick up a a uniform. No, I'm kidding. But uh, Old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde has an expanded line of first aid kits and medical supplies for all kinds of emergencies. I mean, everything from scrapes to gunshot wounds, and they have step-by-step instructions that anybody can follow. Uh, He has body armor, all kinds, made to NATO specs, in-store or over-the-phone purchases only, face masks made locally by a disabled veteran family out of military parachutes, lightweight and soft, steel gas cans, the pre-band kind, the old-school ones, the good ones, plus tons of real U.S. military surplus. For more than three decades, Old Grouch's military surplus on Main Street in downtown Clyde. The shop is open Monday through Saturday. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com.
Now, I did notice that Madison Cawthorn is slated to speak at uh, the Republican National Convention or as part of the convention. I guess you can't really say at the convention because there really isn't going to be anybody at the convention. Donald Trump is arriving in North Carolina for the convention. He is actually going to be in Mills River today. Uh, He's going to the Flavor First Growers and Packers. Trump is going to visit a Farmers to Families Food Box program. It's funded through the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. Um, And he's going to tour this facility, which partners with Baptists on Mission to build the Farmers to Families Food Boxes. The tour is going to show how the boxes are packaged and uh, how they get delivered to families in need. And then he's going to deliver some remarks outside. It's a USDA program. So the USDA secretary, Sonny Perdue, is going to be there as well, uh, as will his daughter, Ivanka Trump. Uh, So he's going to fly into Charlotte on Air Force One, and then he's going to chopper to Mills River on Marine One land at the uh, Asheville Regional Airport, and then the motorcade's going to take him. I mean, think about the amount of planning for the transportation to do that that trip that's kind of nuts right so meanwhile the uh the lefties are in charlotte ahead of the rnc they're already protesting they've been uh, doing it since what friday night i want to say uh so a couple of things because uh, you've got some delegates that have arrived in town into charlotte ahead of the convention uh so they're you know they're going around and they're having you know dinner and drinks or whatever at some of the restaurants uh, that are allowed to be opened and uh, so now you've got this, and you also obviously have a lot of you know residents that are going to these places uh, as well. And w- because of the rules put in place by the governor uh, for the seating capacities, a lot of these restaurants have set up outdoor dining spaces, which has become very convenient for the left-wing agitators to go out and accost the patrons of the various restaurants. Like, for example, uh, this one that was outside of the North Italia restaurant in south end charlotte which if you've ever been to charlotte uh, if you've been there for like a panther game or something the south end that's the the one with the the uh, light rail line the original light rail line runs right down south boulevard uh and that's sort of the uh that was the first leg of the light rail project and it's gotten huge like the whole corridor is now packed with apartments and uh you know mixed use retail and all sorts of amenities and and development that were never there when I first moved to Charlotte 25 years ago. None of that was there. It was all just, you know, warehouses and industrial stuff, and nobody was on South Boulevard. And that, and then the project came along, and it revitalized the whole corridor. Now, of course, you're going to have people that are, you know, marching up and down the streets, and people are going to get concerned, and now, you know, capital is going to flee, and, and then people will wonder, well, why isn't anybody investing in this area any longer? Gee, I wonder why people are heading for the hills, you know, because they're they're worried about leftists burning down portions of their city. Now, if you are looking to vacate the premises, call Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. That's what Christy and I did. We're actually looking for a house now. So we are in the purchase process, which is usually a lot more fun, we have found, than the selling process. It can be very stressful. So if you are looking to buy or sell, call the only agent that we called, Rowena Patton. 
mountainhomehunt.com. She's the official and only Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville. It's a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from realtor commissions. This goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military, veterans, active duty, and retired. She's given back, she and her team have given back approaching $800,000 to those local folks. So give them a call, 333-4483. Rowena Patton and the all-star powerhouse team, Mountain homehunt.com and start packing so here is the protester here uh, just a snippet this comes from queen city nerve uh they have been live streaming and following the protests uh usually every single night live streaming this stuff so i just pulled it off of their twitter feed here was the mob outside of this italian restaurant north italia uh south end charlotte no I will give them credit. I will give them... Oh, then the drums start. Yes. This is right outside. I don't want to say right outside. It's all outside. The diners are sitting in uh, at tables that are outside on the sidewalk, and they've got, like, these little planters around the perimeter, and you know, with plants and stuff, and gardens, and there's nothing that separates them except this, like, you know, one-and-a-half-foot-high little concrete planter box and so now you got the mobs that are you know these people are like climbing up over the planter boxes they're trouncing around in the uh in the garden and they're they're banging these drums they got the megaphone screaming you know right into the faces of all of these diners which by the way watching the videos there are a ton of people not wearing masks i don't know do we still care about that i'm not sure i know it's a mass gathering and COVID knows whether the gatherings are virtuous or not. So if you're gathering to, you know, worship God in a in a uh, church service, I think COVID doesn't like that. So it smites those people. That's why the governor is trying to protect them by banning that sort of stuff. Uh, but the mass gatherings against the cops and the, uh, you know, the fomentation of insurrection, uh, those are, I think, virtuous, according to COVID at least. And the governor knows what COVID knows. So he says those are allowed and we're not going to crack down on this kind of behavior. So um, there, then there was also, this was, um, this was one of my favorites here. This was the One Solution Revolution chant. One Solution. One Solution Revolution. Yeah. So pretty clear what they're advocating, don't you think? I think so. It's, yeah, I mean, some, at, at some point, folks should uh, just accept what they're saying as what they want right now okay so all right maybe maybe they mean it in a way like remember the word jihad jihad doesn't mean violent murderous war against non-believers but this is a personal struggle the inner struggle with within one's own mind and heart as you progress you know towards enlightenment and becoming a better servant to allah that's what jihad means. Why do you think it means blowing up infidels? Come on, people. Right? Maybe it's sort of that idea. Or <clears throat> maybe it's like, uh, when we say defund police, we don't actually mean defund police. We just mean reform the police. Maybe it's kind of like that propaganda fail. <laughs> no, see, when you say there's one solution, and that one solution is revolution, I'm going to take you at your word for it. So that means you are a revolutionary, which makes sense. Because Marxism is at the core of Antifa and uh, Black Lives Matter, the organization. So 
I'm going to take you at your word for it. It lines up. It all makes sense, right? An Occam's razor kind of a guy. So uh, I see evidence A, B, and C. They all support each other, and they lead to a rational conclusion that uh, you are down with the revolutionary ideology of Marxism, Leninism, Maoism, communism, all of the isms uh, that flow from Karl Marx, the most destructive human being to walk the planet in the last uh, probably 200 years. And so the mob, uh, not only do they hit that Italian restaurant, right, uh, and then they start marching through these different areas, blocking off uh, 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 intersections in in and around the, the down, sorry, uptown Charlotte area. Um, they're chanting at one point, they go through uh, the stopped traffic, and they're walking amongst the cars through the cars that are all stopped in the, like, there's like a three-lane, one-way uh, road, and they're, it's on 3rd Street, and they're walking through the traffic, and they're chanting, no justice, no peace, no bleep and bleep justice, no bleep and bleep peace, and what is the point of that kind of a demonstration? What's the purpose? Um, when the mob walks through traffic on 3rd Street, screaming no justice, no peace, it is a call for violence, not for peace. Right? This is a call for violence, not for peace, particularly when there's no specific act of justice being sought. Right? They're not saying we demand justice in this particular instance for whatever this case is that we are identifying. They're saying just this overall concept of justice. Okay? They're not defining what that is. And as they march through the streets, through traffic, beating on cars and stuff and getting up into the windows of people, uh, of their vehicles, the purpose is to threaten violence, to demand submission to their will or have violence enacted upon them. That's the message. The purpose is to intimidate using the very laws and the very norms of decency to further their insurrectionist goals, right? To instill fear in the citizens that are sitting in those vehicles. That's the purpose of these demonstrations because they're not going to eject the RNC from Charlotte, right? That's not going to happen. The convention is not going to move out of Charlotte. That's not happening. So what's the purpose? To express displeasure? There are many ways to do that without intimidating and threatening violence, right? But that that's not the course they they took well you know these are these are difficult times and we have to do these things because people won't think we're serious or something now if you are serious about your website getting improved then you need to uh, get a hold of my friend schaefer smith at schaefer smith design you want your website to turn up in search results you want it to look professional you want it to be user friendly and you know your business but you're probably not an expert on website development and how to maintain a website and security of the website and all of that. Schaefer Smith can help you. Professional services, corporate, small business, and entrepreneurs, Schaefer Smith can help you all with graphics, photos, an online store, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security. Uh, he does logos. He did the one for the Pete Callender show. Go to schaefersmith.com and get the most out of your website. That's schaefersmith.com. So the purpose is to instill fear in people that are sitting in the vehicles, that are watching this, that are at the restaurants, and have a mob surround you, screaming in your face. Uh, and so what is this tactic about? Caleb Carr is a military historian. He wrote a book about 20 years ago or so in which he stated, warfare deliberately waged against civilians 
with the purpose of destroying their will to support either leaders or policies that the agents of such violence find objectionable. Okay, that's the uh, that's the description that Caleb Carr, this military historian, uses uh, to describe what what tactic, what strategy here, right to to wage warfare against civilians in order to destroy their will to support policies or leaders that the people who are waging the violence disagree with. Okay, I don't like this person, this policy. I don't like this, these leaders, so I'm going to target these civilians so they won't like them either, so they won't support those leaders or those policies. What am I describing? It is quite literally the definition of terrorism. It is. It's the modern definition, of course. It used to be called total war. Caleb Carr's book was titled The Lessons of Terror. It was written after 9-11. He advised that the solution is not to meet terror with terror, but to preemptively target the perpetrators and force them to feel perpetual insecurity that they attempt to make their victims feel. Okay? Now, by the way, I do recognize, like, what is, uh, what if that's the exact mindset of the mob? Like, what if they believe that they're the victims of the terrorism? That's why they're inflicting these types of tactics on the citizens, on others, because they're trying to do to them what they think is being done to themselves, right? They view themselves as uh, perpetual victims. They're never the villain, right? They're either the hero or the victim. That's it. Never the bad guy. Now, Caleb Carr does warn in that book that those who rely most heavily on the tactics of terror will see their interests suffer the more. Okay, so the protesters are aiming to get a reaction. They want a reaction. Why do they want a reaction? So they can get viral video, which helps advance their propaganda. And if you are like the group Charlotte Uprising, they use it to fundraise. They use it to generate more money to pay for the bail for all the protesters. Now, I don't know what happens to extra money that's left in the kitty. I don't know who's siphoning the money out, how often, how much. Not really sure, but uh, this Charlotte Uprising group is constantly making pitches on social media for donations for the cause. So it might be somewhat profitable. I don't know. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. And remember, subscribe to the podcast. Give it a thumbs up or positive review. I appreciate that. And consider becoming a patron of the program. Get cool stuff and exclusive content. All of the links are in the description of the podcast. Thanks so much for your support. We'll talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.